0: Well amen welcome to Rizu thank you for being here what a wonderful group thank you so much we had a a great group at the early service today. I think I saw the count was 91. So folks are coming out early. So make room for you to invite friends and you invite folks to come and be with you. And so we welcome all of our guests today. Thank you so much. We welcome folks on our live stream. Say hi to my mom. My mom's watching. So I always want to say hi to her and all those who are joining us. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Find 1 Timothy chapter 1. When you come on Sunday mornings, when I'm preaching, you can know to go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy. We're studying through 1 Timothy verse by verse. We're going to be picking up in verse 3 in just a few minutes. And we're continuing our series about don't throw in the towel. And so that's what we'll be just in a few minutes. Let me say thank you to the tech team, to Joshua and his team for getting everything together and getting it out on live stream. And so we appreciate them. Uh, I also want to thank Israel and the worship team. Always faithfully leading us in God's word as we sing. And I'm so thankful for Patrick and Jennifer and their ministry and uh, just excited about what God's doing in their life. Going to the soccer game today, right? So, any of the youth interested or anybody wants to go? Three o'clock. And so they're going to what's ETSU play. And so it's free. So you can't beat that. Uh, Tonight at six o'clock, we have what we call our family table. So we'll meet down in the metal building, the rock, our fellowship area. We'll have covered dish. We'll all bring covered dish. We'll share a meal together. We'll have church conference as well, our business meetings. We'll come on out tonight at 6. At 7 o'clock tonight down at Cherokee High School is the GoTail Crusade. And so we've got 11 of our folks who are counselors there. And so we're going to pray for them at the end of the service. And we invite you Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Cherokee High School, 7 o'clock each night. It's in your bulletin there you can see who's going to be recognized each night we're encouraging you to invite people you know that's lost invite them to go with you and so i plan to be there tomorrow night i hope that you will be pick a night and you try to go try to go every night if you can and so try to be part of the crusade we want to recognize and i mean to say thank you to our upward team also uh, as patrick said earlier you guys are awesome all of our coaches all of our volunteers I was out here yesterday, and it's, it's just awesome to see the teamwork. Everybody on the field, everybody snow cones, and then all picking up everything, and just thank you. Uh, Luke shared his testimony yesterday. Jennifer Arbo did Thursday. They both did a great job. My wife will be sharing this coming Thursday. I'm sharing next Saturday. So that gives you four more weeks to be able to share your testimony. Ms. Jennifer, raise your hand. Right here, you see Miss Jennifer. You say, I would like to share a two to three minute what God's doing in my life. Talk to Jennifer. She'll sign you up, right? Only one, left. Only one Saturday left. That's awesome. So you see her. If you're willing to help out, you let her know. And we're so thankful for our upward ministry. We want to recognize our September anniversaries. We do that each month. We just recognize our wedding anniversaries, and we want to pray for you folks. Uh, Before we ask you to stand up, let me mention, let's pray for Megan and Chad. They're still in holding, waiting for their daughter to be born. And so I know they're listening online. You pray for Megan and Chad uh, and, and uh, as they're waiting for this new arrival into their family. Remember uh, Amy's mom, she got to come home from the hospital, so we're thankful for that. Isabel is still in the hospital, right, Brian? So let's pray for Isabel. And Robbie asked us to pray for his daughter Whitney, and so we'll pray for Whitney. Uh, remember Randall's having surgery on his knee tomorrow. And remember Ashley's family, uh, Donna's granddaughter passed away. So pray uh, for them and uh, others that's on your mind, okay, and on your heart. If you have a September anniversary, would you stand up, even our guest, if you have an anniversary in September, we want to recognize those families. We had two at the early service. One was 55 years. One was 16 years. All right. All right. How many for you guys? 25. This is Cole's parents, and we're so thankful that they're here at the church. Congratulations to you guys. 25 years. That's awesome. Sherry, how many for you and Bob? 34. 34. That's awesome. Congratulations. Just to remain standing. We'll get the rest. Ginger, how many for you and Roddy? 25. 25. Same as you guys. That's awesome. 25. Teresa, how many for you and Mike? 24. 24. Awesome. That's great. How many for you guys? Right behind. I'm sorry. I. Uh, Right in front, right here. How many for you guys? Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. Oh, I can't tell from back here. Patsy, how many years were you and Claude married? It would have been 49 in September. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Patsy. I didn't recognize you from this far off. It's good. No, I, I just didn't recognize you. Thank you. No, no, no. You have been here a long time. How many for you guys? Yes, 27. 27. Thank you, guys. That's awesome. Thank you for being part. I'm missing anybody else. Jerry, how many for you guys? 42. 42. We congratulate all these couples. We're going to pray now, and then after we pray, we'll dig into God's Word. Lord, we thank you for the gift of marriage. Thank you we can celebrate with all of these couples. Lord, we are thankful that in your grace, you brought us together in marriage. Lord, you instituted it from the beginning. You saw Adam and you said it wasn't good that he was alone and so you created Eve. Lord, our wives are a gift from you and may we as husbands be a gift to our wives. Lord, for each of these couples, we celebrate with them. Lord, we celebrate a love that you've given them for each other, a love that comes from you, an agape love. Help us to love our spouse as you love the church. You told us husbands we're to love our wives that way. We're to to sacrifice, to give ourselves for them. Lord, may we live that out in our community. May we show the beautiful picture of your love for us. We pray that you would guard these marriages, these that are celebrating this month. We pray, Lord, that you would guard And you would grow their marriages. You would help their love to grow for each other. You would help their patience. You would help them to be quick to forgive. And you would strengthen their marriages. That they would be an example to their children, their grandchildren, to those in this church and community. Lord, you instituted this gift, one man, one woman, serving you together. And so we ask a blessing on each of these. Lord, we thank you for Patsy and the memory of Claude. And we celebrate with her as she reflects and gives thanks. And we are thankful he is with you. Lord, now teach us from your word, speaking to our lives. We pray for Isabel. We pray for Whitney. We pray for Ashley's family. We pray for Megan and Chad and for this precious little girl that's in the womb, that you would bring her safe into this world. We pray for Randall. Pray for the crusade that many will come to know you, for those who are serving there and counselors. Pray for Amy's mom and so many others, Lord, that we, we know that it's on people's hearts. We ask you to bring healing and comfort. We pray for those who are lost that you would draw them to you. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Thank you. We're so glad. I'm, I'm still learning names. You filling out these connect cards is a lot of help to me. Uh, we have so many uh, new folks that are God is sending here. And so I'm learning your names. I'm still working on that. And so please take time, as Patrick invited you to, to fill out those connect cards. You can put them in our worship boxes at the door. And uh, they'll come to me and Patrick's desk, and we would just love to know more about you and learn your name and know that you were here. Well, when you think about, one of the songs we sang talked about, about uh, dancing. You know that one song that talks about, I um, feel like dancing. Um, my wife, she was at the early service. She, she taught dance when her and I met. She danced all of her life, ballet, jazz, all that stuff, you know, and, and so she was teaching dance when we met, and we got married, she did a little kids class even in the house we lived in. So it's always been funny to me that she married a man who can't dance. <laughs> I, I can't dance, you know, I, I can't. I'll kid her all the time about, you know, teach me to dance. I'm not a dancer. I'm I'm. I, not my body just don't move like that. I went to one of her Zumba classes one time, and it was like, forget this. I ain't no way. My body don't move that way. So I thought about when I get to heaven one day, Patrick. I'm gonna know how to dance. When I get to heaven, I will be able to dance in heaven. Marriage is like a dance. That's what I tell young couples when I do premarriage counseling. Marriage is like a dance. The Bible talks about the husband is to be the head of the wife. When when you're when you're going to dance, you're gonna slow dance. Let's say. When that music starts, it's the man that's to lead. He's the one that takes the first step. That's the way it is, men and women, in in marriage. You're you're arm in arm, hand in hand. The man is to lead, but think about it. When you start the music, you're in rhythm. You're going together. The man doesn't drag the woman around the dance floor. No, it's step and step. It's going together. It's rhythm. It's understanding our roles, and so it's a beautiful thing. To think about marriage as a, as a dance. And here's the thing I tell young couples. You want, you want your dance, you want your marriage to be a beautiful thing in harmony? Then let Jesus pick the music. <laughs> let him be the one that orchestrates how you treat each other. How you respond to each other. Let it be biblical. All right, that was extra. Don't cost you anything. All right. First Timothy, we're talking about don't throw in the towel. We're talking about truth. Don't throw in the towel of truth. So, we start a new series through this book. Paul is writing this letter to a young preacher named Timothy. And Timothy has been asked to be the pastor at a church in Ephesus. And so, this is a church that Paul started, a church that he planted on his missionary journey. And so, he sent this young preacher there, and Timothy's there, and he's leading the church. And Paul is writing this letter to encourage Timothy Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. In boxing terms, when you don't want to come out of the corner again and you're ready to quit, you throw in the towel. Don't tap out like a wrestling theme. Don't do that. Don't give up, Timothy. Don't quit. And so that's our theme as we're going through this letter is that we're not going to quit. We're going to to stay in the ring. We're going to put the gloves on. And we're going to stay in there. And we're we're going to continue to live for Christ. And so that's our encouragement. So look here in the passage. And we'll read verse 3 down through verse 11. Last week was just an introduction. So if you're here today for the first time, you haven't missed anything, you can go back on on our website and you can catch up on our YouTube or Facebook. And so pick up in verse 3. So Paul says to Timothy, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So here, notice, here's our theme there in that word remain. Paul says, stay where you're at. Stay in Ephesus. Stay there where you are, where God has placed you. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Don't tap out. He says, remain there. Where God has placed you, he encourages you to continue. We had a marriage theme this morning. That marriage that you're in, there might be some here today that's just ready to throw in the towel. You're ready just to call it quits. Can I encourage you, seek out God's will, seek out His direction. Do all that you can. Continue to work on that marriage. Go to counseling. Continue to to seek out God's healing for God to do a work in that marriage. Remain. Don't give up. Maybe you're here today and it's some area, other area of your life, and you're just ready to quit. Maybe it's serving God. Maybe you're just ready to, to quit serving God. He says, remain. Don't quit. Don't, don't, don't throw in the towel. Keep keep serving. Keep living. Keep keep letting God work in your life. And so notice what he says to him here, and this is the theme for our time together. He says, I charge that you charge some that they teach no other doctrine. That word charge is a military term. I'm commanding you. I want you to command them not to teach any false doctrine. And that will be our theme. Look at verse 4. So he says that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies. Which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. Verse 5. Now the purpose of the command is love. You can look at that in two ways. His command for you to charge them or the command of scripture. Either the the purpose is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. Verse 6, from which some, having strayed, having gotten away, they they, they've wandered off, have strayed, have turned aside to idle talk. I told the early service, uh, there's a lot of good stuff about the internet. There's a lot of good stuff about social media, but there's also a lot of idle talk, isn't there? Uh, A lot of just jabbering and babbling and and just a lot of idle talk. Verse 7, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. It seems to be in this church that some of the leaders were teaching false teaching. And this young preacher is being instructed by Paul, you need to nip this in the bud. You need to deal with this. And so look what he says in verse 8. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless and insubordinate. For the ungodly and for sinners. For the unholy and profane. For murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers. For manslayers. For fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers. And if there's any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to my trust. This young preacher is dealing with false teachers. And so Paul is addressing this issue And he's going to address that in our lives as well. This is an issue even for the church today. This is an issue for everybody in this room. You have all of these people trying to speak into your life. And many of them are teaching false doctrine. And so we're going to see the importance that here at our church. And also in who we allow to influence us needs to line up with God's word. Four things about this passage and an outline to help us as guide us through. And the first thing is this, fight for the truth. The word here is to protect. Look in verse 3. He says, there remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Paul is encouraging young Timothy, you need to address this false teaching that's going on in the church. You need to deal with this. You need to command, you need to get stern. This is not something that you can waver on. This has to be something you speak clearly in. I told the early service. My prayer is is that whoever's behind this pulpit for all the years ahead, all the however till the Lord returns, there will always be somebody who is going to speak truth, who is going to speak sound doctrine. There will always be people in our Sunday school classes. In our small groups that are speaking sound doctrine. What does a doctrine mean? Well, doctrine is what we believe. Doctrine is the things that we teach. So we think of the Word of God. This is our doctrine. This is our teaching. This is what we believe. It's not based on your opinion. It's not based on my opinion. This is doctrine this is sound doctrine the word of God look in 2nd Timothy 2nd Timothy chapter 4 listen to what Paul says to Timothy in the second letter that he writes and this is Paul 2nd Timothy is Paul's last book that he writes last letter that he writes there in chapter 4 he's dealing with this issue up in verse 1 he's charging Timothy He says in verse 2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. And then in verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears. Now, my dad, I told the early service, and Jen was here, And mom, you'll remember this. When my dad would always preach this, he would always do this. Itching ears. That's what he would always do. I could just see him doing it right now. Itching ears. So because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Verse 4, if you're in your Bible, they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Go back to 1 Timothy. Paul was saying, Timothy... Fight for truth. We must protect sound doctrine. My prayer is that there'll always be a man in this pulpit. We, we if it's God's will, we intend to retire from here. So we, we got a lot more years with you, God's will. But after I'm long gone, I pray there'll always be a man in this pulpit who will always say what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. Itching ears, preacher. That's the one who says what you want to hear want to make you feel good. Leave this place feeling good about myself. I, I'm pretty good. I feel good about myself. The preacher who says what you need to hear is the one who convicts, who's the one who preaches the true whole counsel of God and convicts sin and speaks truth. And so may there always be sound doctrine. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, fight for truth. Sound doctrine is a hill for us to die on. Here at our church, we will we will fight to To stand for truth. There will be an understanding that we're going to protect truth. If you're ever in a class that Ridgeview is teaching, you're ever in a a, a service that Ridgeview is holding, and there is false doctrine, you let us know. We want to address it. We want to deal with it. This needs to be a place where sound doctrine is always taught. Here in this passage, he says, they are teaching fables and endless genealogies. They were talking about Jewish legends and Jewish myths and and just all of this stuff and and all this Judaism stuff. One of the big issues was legalism here in the church. Legalism. They were putting under under the pressure of the law that you have to do this and you have to do that. And so Paul is talking about the importance of protecting the truth. He says here that they were straying. They're straying from the truth. It's so easy that we are led astray. I was telling my mom just the other day, we were talking about something, and I, I just reminded her, and I'm reminding you, not everything you hear on the Internet is true. Did you know that, young people? You make sure who you're listening to, what podcast you're listening to, you make sure you're, you're lining up and listening to people who are sound in their doctrine. Uh, there, there's every type of teaching out here now, and it's at your fingertips. You be careful who you're listening to. You be careful who you're reading. You make sure it's sound doctrine. You, you make sure you don't just take somebody's word for it. Just because somebody says, well, the Bible says, you make sure the Bible says that. You, you, you've got the authority. You've got to understanding. you can look in God's words yourself. And so let's fight for truth. Thinking about straying means to get off course. When the Word of God is our compass, young people, when the Word of God is our compass, we can stay on course. When we, we're not listening to the, the attitude and the thoughts of this world and, and what's popular, we're listening to the Word of God. And this is our compass, and it helps us stay on course. We stray when we get away from sound doctrine. And so the importance that we understand we need to fight for truth, we need to protect truth, guard our hearts and our minds. Look in Galatians chapter 1. One more passage and then we'll move on to the next point. Galatians 1, Paul is again is addressing this issue. Paul had warned the Ephesians, be careful about wolves in sheep's clothing. Jesus had warned his disciples, be careful about wolves in sheep's clothing. All in the scripture, there's a warning about false teachers It's going to become harder and harder. You be be sure you're under sound doctrine. You're you're in a church. If you move away, you're somewhere else. You get into a place where there's sound doctrine. It's important that we fight for truth, that we protect it. Look what he says in verse 6 through 9 in Galatians 1. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you. In the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you, than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Paul wasn't much about Tolerance. He wasn't about, hey, let's just all get together. It don't really matter what you believe. Let's just all kind of get together and sing kumbaya, and we'll just get along. It's okay. No, he was not this guy of tolerance. He says, if you're preaching anything else except Jesus can get you to heaven, you'd be accursed. Hey, church, there's only one way to get to heaven, and that's Jesus. Amen? Amen. And be careful because there's a world full of all these different ways, and they want to water it down, and they want to put pressure about you got to do this and you got to do that. Only in Jesus can we be saved. And so just be careful. Fight for truth. We need to protect, protect the gospel. The thinking here is is that the enemy tries to divide, to divide us when it comes to the sound doctrine. He tries to divide the church. That's what's happened in Ephesus. He's trying to divide the congregation and some false teaching, get someone in that's a wolf in sheep's clothing and teaching something that's totally different than what the gospel says. Now, we understand there'll be lots of of things that we'll disagree on. The return of Christ, you may have a little different view, that's okay. Uh, Different views about different things. But we all need to be in the same corner when it comes to the gospel that only through Jesus can we be saved. We need to be in the same corner and not to have division. So, first off, we fight for truth. We protect. Second of all as we focus on truth. It becomes our priority. Look in verse 11. Go back to 1 Timothy. Look again in First Timothy chapter 1, verse 11. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. There needs to be a priority on truth. We saw that he tries to divide us. Second of all, the enemy tries to distract us. He, he tries to get us distracted. When you're in the boxing ring and you're fighting, if you remember when Creed was fighting Rocky, he would say, watch it, watch what? And then boom, he hit him with the other hand. That's what Satan tries to do. He gets us over here. Hey, 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 boom, he got us. Sucker punch. We, got, we get easily distracted by all the noise. I went to a session yesterday at the Summit of the Saints they had at First Baptist Church Hill. And we appreciate uh, Dustin and them hosting this and all those who talked in this, in this, uh, this event yesterday. But I went to a, a class about reaching millennials. And, man, it just it was a great session. And I, Jen and I are planning, uh, October, November, sometime here soon, we're going to set up a time. Where we we want to meet with age 20 through age 40, this, this group of folks. We just want to meet with you, and we want to hear from you, reaching millennials. If you're interested, millennials is those who were born 1984 to 1998, uh, the what he called the elders, those born before 1946, the boomers, 1946 to 1964, Gen X is what I am, 1965 to 1983, and then Gen Z is after the millennials, 99 to 2015. But here's what I want you to recognize: something he was teaching us yesterday that he introduced to us is when we think about distraction. There's a lot of noise millennials are growing up with, and Gen Z are growing up with. There's so much noise, it's at your fingertips. There's so many people trying to speak into your life to influence you. And so, this was a question that Barna asked to all the generations. The question is this Is lying morally wrong? It's telling a lie morally wrong. And so here's the percentage. The elders, those born before 1946, 61 percent said yes, lying is morally wrong. The boomers, 1946 to64, 54 percent said it's morally wrong. My generation, 50 percent said it's morally wrong. The millennials, 42 percent say it's morally wrong. Gen Z, say it's morally wrong. Here's what I'm saying. We need to focus on the truth. And truth needs to be a priority for us because we have all of this noise. We have all of this false teaching. We have all of this attacking that we need to focus on the truth. And the Word of God needs to be our priority. Let me ask you a question, and, and it will convict you as much as it's convicted me. So this is for me just as much Compared to how much time you spend on your social media, how much time you spend in God's Word? How much time you spend in God's Word daily? You need to make a priority. Now, here's what you've been hearing for over 16 years. Today's a new day. I'm not trying to beat you down. I'm just trying to say to you, if you, if you agree with me today that the Word of God should be a priority then starting today, let's make it a priority. Let's spend time in God's Word. Let's, let's find time to study his Word. Let, let's make it a priority to be in a Sunday school class. Let's make it a priority to be here on Wednesday nights to study God's Word. Let's make it a priority to be here in worship, to be under the preaching of God's Word. Let's make it a priority to get connected to a D group. Let's make it a priority that every day we're in God's Word. Let's make it a priority. What if we begin memorizing God's Word? What if, what if we make this a priority? We need to focus on the truth. Young people, it's your compass It guides you. It it, it directs you the way you need to go. And so make it a priority. There's noise all around. And we need to make the Word of God our priority. If we believe this is the absolute truth, and we do, that's what we teach here. This is God's Word. It's infallible. It's inerrant. It's the authority of God. It's God-breathed. This is how we live our life then let us make it a priority. The third thing, not only should we fight and should we focus, but notice the fruit of truth, the purpose. The purpose. Look in verse 5. Now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. Here the understanding is the enemy tries to discourage us. He tries to divide us. He tries to distract us and he tries to discourage us. The purpose of the word of God is to make us more like Jesus. The purpose of the word of God here is very clearly stated. The purpose is to love. Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Word of God. What is the purpose of the Word of God? It's to bring us to a place where we love God. We submit to Him as Lord and we love one another. What did Jesus say? The world will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Love is the purpose of truth. It's the purpose of what He's doing in our life. We're to love. Notice what He says, with a pure heart. With a pure mind and a pure motive. When you think about a pure motive, when you think about the reason why you're doing something, think about false teachers. They did not have a pure heart. They did not have a pure mind. They don't have a pure motive. False teachers, what's the fruit of a false teacher? What's his purpose? Selfish gain. To uplift himself for power, for authority. The man of God is a man of humility. The, the woman of God is a woman of humility. It's not about them. It's about loving God and loving other people. We need to understand the fruit of truth is for us to love God and to love other people. My dad has, has, had always said before he passed away, he would say, you want to grow a church? Preach God's word, love people. It's that simple. Preach God's word, love people. Truth And love. And so the fruit of truth, the purpose, is for us to love. The fourth thing and the last thing in this passage is the freedom in truth, is peace. Notice in verse 8, but we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. The thing here we learn is that the enemy is trying to deceive us. Here in this passage, the issue is about the law. There there were these Judaizers who were putting pressure on people that you had to do what the law says for you to get into heaven. If you wanted to please God, you have to obey all the law. And it put this burden on people. There's some of you here in this room today who are listening online who still are under this burden that you have to perform for God to accept you. I have to be good enough for God to accept me. Most of you drove a vehicle here today and in your vehicles, there's what's called an engine light. And young people, if that engine light comes on, that means there's something wrong, okay? Now I grew up in a time we called those idiot lights, okay? Anybody else grew up in that time? Idiot lights, yeah, idiot lights. Why would you call them idiot lights? Because you're not very smart if you wait till the light comes on to check your oil, okay? Now, that's not politically correct to call them idiot lights, so we'll call them engine lights, okay? Now, when my engine light comes on, I know there's something wrong, and I'm going to drive up here to AutoZone, and one of those guys or gals are going to bring a little handheld computer out, and they're going to hook it up to my car, and they're going to say to me, you have an oxygen sensor (laughs) that needs to be changed. That's usually what it is for me. And I'll say, thank you very much, and then I'll just drive my car with the engine light on. That's what I do. (laughs) Now, here's the interesting thing. That little computer, its only purpose is to tell me what's wrong with my car. That that little computer won't fix my car. It, It won't. It'll just tell me what's wrong. I have to go buy a part and get a mechanic to put it in to fix my car. The law is that little, like that little handheld computer. The purpose that God gave us the law was just to tell us what's wrong. Notice the list here. The law teaches us that uh, lawless and insubordinate and, and ungodly and unholy and sinners and murderers and fornicators and uh, sodomites and kidnappers and liars, it's just all sin. It's disobedience to God. This is like that little held hand computer. And it's it's saying to us, the law says to us, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. You see, God is a holy God. And God's standard. God says, here's the standard. You want to go to heaven? You got to meet my standard. My standard is perfection. Sinless. And we all look at that and the law tells us and he says, you don't make it. You're a sinner, you fall short of God's standard, you fall short of God's glory, you don't make it. And so the law is that little computer telling us, you've got a problem. But the people, what happens is these legalists, these legalism people, they wanna come along and they wanna try to make the computer that's just to tell you what's wrong, try to fix the problem. And so they'll say, okay, if you'll just do better, then you'll meet God's standard. But all the time, the little computer over here, the law is saying to you, you'll never meet God's standard. You're a sinner. The little computer, when we look at it, the law says to us, you deserve hell. That's what it says to us. But yet, we've got people, and some of you here in this sanctuary, you just, if I can just work harder, if I can just do more at the church, if I just give more money... If I join a church or if I'm baptized or if I just be a better husband or I'll be a better wife, if I just quit drinking, if I just give up drugs, if I just quit living together, if I just quit that stuff, then God will accept me. And all the time the law was saying, You still don't meet the standard. Hey, church, there was one person who met the standard of God. What was his name? Jesus. Jesus met the standard. He was sinless. He'd go to AutoZone and nothing would come up on the screen. (laughs) He never had an engine light. Not once. He met the standard. So God sees us deserving of hell, lost in our sins, blinded by our sin, dead in our sin, and God in His grace sent His Son Jesus. Jesus met the standard. So he went and he died on the cross as a sacrifice and a substitute. So God says, I'm going to take all of your engine lights. I'm going to take all of your sin. And I'm going to place on Jesus. If you trust and believe and repent of your sins and confess Jesus as Lord, I will take this, your sin and I will put on Jesus. And then God says, and I'm going to put the righteousness of Jesus, and I'm going to put it on your account. So now God says, you got to meet the standard to enter heaven. And because you've trusted in Jesus, you've met the standard through His righteousness. Oh, because of Jesus... We can enter into heaven. We can have a relationship with our creator because of Jesus. If you're here today, Satan's going to try to deceive you. He's going to try to tell you, you just got to work harder. You got to do more. And he's going to beat you down. And he's going to say, you ain't this and you ain't that. And all the time, God's grace is saying, the law is right. You don't meet my standard. The law is right. You deserve hell. But God says, oh, but I love you. And I sent Jesus to die for you buried and rose again so that you could meet the standard through him by believing in him if you're here and you're lost today man quit living under this burden of trying to earn god's favor only way we can earn god's favor is through jesus maybe you've been Working through this. Maybe the Holy Spirit's been speaking in your life. Today's that day when you come and say, I'm quit. I'm, I'm going to quit trying to earn God's favor and I'm going to trust in Jesus and Him alone for salvation. I pray you would do that. There's some believers today who let Satan beat you up. By this old teaching, some of you grew up in some real legalistic churches and, and you had to dress a certain way and you had to look a certain way and you had to do this and that and, and God was mad at you if you didn't do this and God was mad at you if you didn't do that. Hey, let go. Freedom. There's, there's a freedom here. The peace of knowing we're accepted because of Jesus I'm here today because I love Jesus not because I have to be because I want to be I serve Jesus I give my tithe why because I love Jesus and I, I want to serve him not because I have to I'm not earning merit man it's a grace thing I'm not under the law I've been set free Holy Spirit lives in me and I desire I want to wanna live for him I belong to him and so I pray some of you would be set free here's the thing we call that lot an idiot lot if you ignore it. Because what's going to happen? Your engine's going to start smoking, and you're going to be on the side of the road, and you're going to be done. If you deny Jesus as Lord and Savior, you reject Him, the Bible says you're a fool. You're a fool. And just like your old car is going to blow up, you're going to find yourself for eternity in a place called hell. But that doesn't have to be your story. You can trust in Christ today. Don't let Satan deceive you. Just like these false teachers were trying to deceive people, you don't be deceived. Listen to the law. See the engine light and recognize and trust in Jesus today. Repent of your sins and believe in Jesus and you'll be saved. For believers today, let's fight for the truth, let's focus on the truth, let's, let's realize the fruit of the truth is love, and man, let's celebrate in the freedom that we have in the truth. Would you stand with me for prayer? Lord, I am unworthy to be standing in this pulpit. It is only in your strength. It is only in your power. I pray that you were glorified, and I pray that you've accomplished the purpose In this message, Lord, I pray that people now will respond as you have begun to speak into their lives. For your glory and for your purpose. Those who are lost, may they come and be saved. Those who have been living under a burden of legalism, may they be set free today. May you guard our young people and their hearts and their minds against false teaching in this world. May they focus on sound doctrine, the word of God, and make it a priority. Speak to us now. Lord, those who carry heavy burdens, may you bring peace in their lives. We pray this in Jesus' name.